That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Candy, you know Stevie Ray Vaughan. He's, he's, Randy's better. Randy's better, I think. I think, Randy. I think you're better. You have less hair, but you're better. Okay. I think it's good. Anyway, so, hey, hey, we're going to wrap up this uh, Green Thumb series today. Uh, by the way, everybody's asking me about my shirt. My son designed this shirt. Um, they'll be for sale, like, in a month. Uh, one shirt will feed a family for a month in Afghanistan, but I'm taking them to camp tomorrow, so you can't have them yet, so don't ask. All right, so there's that, okay. But we're going to wrap up this Green Thumb series uh, where all month long we've been looking at this one story that Jesus told where he's comparing farming and gardening um, to our lives, meaning this is that the same things that you find in a garden and that's keeping your, your, your plants from producing a crop, those line up really very, very closely to the same things that are kind of keeping our lives from producing the results and the outcomes that we had hoped for. So let me kind of give you the Cliff Notes version really quick. If you haven't been here the last few weeks, it goes like this, is that a, a farmer goes out and sows some seed, and some of it lands on, like, the pavement, the sidewalk, and it doesn't do anything, all right? And not because it was bad seed, but because it landed on someplace it can't put roots into. And what Jesus said was that truth is the same way, all right? God comes along and tries to teach you something, and we go, we, you know, we look back at God and say, no, and it doesn't make any difference in our life. Not because it wasn't true, but because we never gave it a shot, we never even gave it a chance, and eventually, you know, it just gets, it gets taken away. And that would describe some of our stories. Our, again, our, my most common prayer is yours too, I bet. Dear Heavenly Father, no, in Jesus' name, amen, right? I mean, that's, we tell God no all, all the time, all right? Then sometimes, the next week we look at this, sometimes uh, seed falls on shallow soil, meaning there's some dirt and some rocks and gravel kind of mixed together, and it just takes a little dirt to get a, to get a plant started, but when the sun comes out and it really gets hot, there's no root system, and so that thing kind of withers down. And that would describe some of our stories, wouldn't it? Is that God kind of told us something or taught us something, and, and we, we kind of responded, yeah, that's great, that, that's awesome, but then we faded fast. Like it got intrusive into our life and then it's like, oh, I didn't know that's what it meant and we tried it and then somebody rolled their eyeballs at us or something like that and we wilted fast. That, that would describe some of our, our lives. And then the, couple, few, uh, the next week we look at this is that sometimes the, the farmer sows seed in and it falls on pretty decent soil. The problem is there's a bunch of other stuff trying to grow there and it comes up and kind of, kind of chokes it. You know, not, maybe not to death, but at least chokes it to the point that it can't produce any fruit or vegetables. You know? and, and truth is like that. It's like God comes along and says, hey, I want to... I want to tell you something, and something comes along and chokes it. Like, um, like the first week we looked at, there, we were looking at three of these. We're going to get to the third one today, but the first one was worry. Worry, by definition, is I, I really believe that if I worry about something and stay up all night and pace the floor and throw up a few times, I think it'll change, right? And it just doesn't. But, but the opposite of worry is actually faith. Trust God. In other words, this is that, you know, God tells you to do, to raise your kids or spend your money or do this or do that. Do all that you know how to do. And then trust God for the rest because it's out of your control anyway. And then God comes along and says, and by the way, if you'll just, if, I tell you, if you'll just trust me, I'll make sure that that other stuff is there and, and I'll take really good care of you. And then last week we, we looked at another one of these thorns that kind of chokes out our life. It's called greed, right? And it got really uncomfortable in here. I'm surprised a lot of you came back. But greed by definition is simply this. It's my stuff. It's my stuff and it's for me. And there's this mindset that goes with it that goes like that. If I can achieve a certain financial number, then my life will be better. If I have a big enough stack of money, my life will be more secure, more, more insured. Uh, it'll be safer. In other words, I, I love God. Thank you, God, for, you know, for getting me out of hell. But my faith is in money to, to take care of me. And Jesus warned, listen, first of all, there is no magic number that you'll ever reach that you feel safe. But a lot of people trying to pursue that have found not a better life, but have actually, the phrase we looked at last week, all kinds of grief. 
And this got really kind of awkward last week because what Jesus taught, and the reason I kept pointing to Jesus is because it's really too dangerous for another person to say this to you. So blame Jesus. And he says, listen, and this only makes sense in God's economy, but the only way to kind of weed greed out of your life and keep it from choking your, your life, your financial life, but really your whole life, the only way is to intentionally give a percentage of your money away. Not your time and not your talents and not your you know, volunteer and not paint a wall over there and not park cars. We need you to do all that, but that won't get greed out of your life. The only thing that will get greed out of your life is if you'll carve out a percentage of your money and give it away. Where? To the heart of God. And what's God into? The top two things go like this. He wants to make sure that everybody on the planet at least has the opportunity to find out that he does not hate them. He actually loves them. And if you are here for the first time, you needed to hear that. And no matter what you've done or how many times you've done it in your life, what Jesus did on a cross is bigger than that and can connect you back to God. Everybody, this is the heartbeat of God, everybody deserves the chance to hear that. They don't have to believe it. They don't, you don't have to accept it. They can, they, can, they can turn it down and walk away, but they at least deserve the opportunity to hear that God doesn't hate them, that he loves them enough to die on a cross for them. And the other thing, the, the passion of, at least according to the teachings of Jesus, is the poor. God's heart beats for the poor and says you've got to take care of the poor, especially uh, widows and orphans, the hungry, the thirsty, and victims of injustice. Jesus makes it really clear. If you're his follower, if I'm his follower, I'm to give my money away towards the heart of God, not because there's a rule about it. We're beyond that. I don't give because Moses said something or Abraham said something or, or you know, Malachi said something. I, I give something because I, I realize how much grace has been given to me. And to receive all of God's blessings and receive all of God's grace and then not turn around and share it with somebody else makes me selfish and greedy and nothing like Jesus. So that's been some hard truth, you know, over the last month in here. God's been kind of sending seeds of truth our way. And, and the truth is, if you look at the wall behind me, that would describe, you know, those soils would kind of describe this room pr- pretty well. We've kind of received it in different ways. We're going to look at one more because Jesus kept coming back to this one. This is the only one where he lists three things. There's actually three of the top, you know, thorns that can choke your life out. So we're going to look at one more tonight, wrap this series up. We're going to have communion tonight, sing some great songs, and go home. Okay, so in Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at this third one. Uh, Mark is one of the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all right? It's on the screens. It's, it's also in your program. If you have a program, grab a pen right now or something like that. You're going to want to write some stuff down, I'm not a prophet. You're just going to go, where's the pen? And it'll be too late. Okay, so, so these are, there are three things that really kind of are choking our life out, at least in this thorny section of the garden. It goes like this. Still others, and he's applying this. I'm not really talking about seeds. I'm talking about truth, okay? Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, we hear the word. So you're here today. You're hearing truth, okay? Jesus said this is a better way to live your life. Ta-da. Okay, there it is, all right? So uh, you hear the word, but... The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So here, if you're, again, if you're taking notes and you, or you want to underline, here are the, the thorns that can choke your life, all right? The worries of this life, that's what Scott talked about, uh, the deceitfulness of wealth, um, that's what we talked about last week, and here's what we're going to talk about tonight, number three, the desires for other things, which when you look at that, that's a little vague, that's a little uh, open-ended, you know. Watch out for the worries of this life. Oh, I'm worried. And I, you know, I've I got an ulcer and all that. So, yeah, I understand that. Weed out the deceitfulness of greed and wealth. Oh, I understand that. And then Jesus goes, and here's one more bigger, right? Watch out for other stuff. <laughs> to which, if I was, you know, remember Jesus in a boat teaching everybody up there sitting on the, on, on the bank of, the, of this lake. This is when I would have gone, 
Lord, could you be a little more specific? I mean, what things are you talking about? Are you talking about these things or those things or the things that those people do? I mean, tell us what things, and we'll make a list, and then we'll go all over, we'll form committees, we'll go out and we'll find those things, and we'll put them in a big pile, and we'll burn them, then we'll make sure those things never get in our schools because that would just corrupt our kids, and then we'll make sure that this happens over here, and we'll get all the evil things out of the world, and then we'll never have to worry about evil things anymore. What, what, give us a list. Which, If I was Jesus, this is where I would have gone, shh. I think Jesus probably did, wanted to do that a lot, but he was very nice. He's much nicer than me because I would have said, sit down, you know, and shut up, but he didn't. He, I, I think he looked at me and said, you weren't listening. I didn't say things would choke out your life. You know, I mean, look at it, right? I, I didn't say that things would choke you out. I, I didn't even say things were your biggest problem. I didn't say to look out for, for things. See, there's not a list. The problem is not things. Look at it. What is the problem? It's the... It's the desire for other things. Well, which things? It doesn't matter. Anything. The desire for anything. It doesn't matter. If desire gets out of control, it will choke you to death. To which, again, I'm, you know, I'm the dumb kid on the beach. I would have gone, could you define desires? Because I got some, and I don't know if they're good or bad. <laughs> so please let me know, you know what desires you're talking about. To which Jesus would have said, sure. I, I can tell you what desires I'm talking about. See, anytime Jesus or later, you know, some guys are going to look at Paul, James, and John, who wrote huge chunks of the Bible. Whenever they use the word desires, they were talking about those emotions. And when I start describing, you're going to go, oh, I know what he's talking about up there. It, it's kind of like those hunger pains. You know, and some of you are going, I have those right now. Hurry, I want to eat dinner, all right? So uh, the hunger pains, they say like this, all right? If, if, if I don't eat that, I'm going to die. You know, if I don't get that, if I don't touch that, if, if, if I don't own that, if I don't buy that, if I don't have sex with that, I'm telling you, I'll just die. We've all felt like that. You won't die. You'll feel like you're going to die. It's never happened. You know, you can get to the office on Monday and go, hey, where's Fred? Didn't you hear? Dead. What happened? He went to this bar, met this girl, asked her if she wanted to have sex. She said, no, drop dead on the bar, right there. It's a very sad, very, 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 very sad thing. Now, now you're going to feel like you're going to die. I'm going to die. You really won't. I've got to have an iPod. No, no, nobody ever died in the mall. They just, they haven't done it. You'll feel that, but you won't. But what Jesus says is those feelings, those desires, they will choke you to death. They will. See, when Jesus says other things, I'm so glad he doesn't say, all right, here's the list. Because then we would have thought, it's all about that. And really what he's saying is, fill in the blank. Because the things aren't the problem. The things aren't even the dangerous part that Jesus is talking about. It's the desires that spin out of control. Ask any alcoholic in this room, is beer your problem? No. It's my desire spun out of control. Ask any, any uh, drug addict in here, is drugs, is really, can you blame the drugs? No, it's spun out of control. Ask any man in this room that lost their marriage over an affair, right? Was it really all about the sex? No. It was the desires that spun out of control, and that's what tanked my life. And by, by the way, you know, next week we're going to start a new series. Here's like the parental warning on this, okay? Because we're going to talk about some hard stuff in here. We're going to talk about the hard stuff that maybe you don't want your kids to talk about. But the, the truth is, is that beer is not our biggest problem. Sex is not our biggest problem. Actually, you know, I believe that those could be gifts from God. But you can take anything and abuse it. You can abuse it. And we're going to talk about that, that, that next week. And I'm going to do some research this, this week, as a matter of fact, on all the things we're going to be talking about. But anyway, that's <laughs> irrelevant. But anyway, so um, anyway, uh, yeah, my dad is going to listen to this, so we'll edit that out of the tape. So, okay, so, all right, so, so what desires are we talking about, okay? What are the desires that things are spinning out of control and getting us into all this trouble? Because if it's not the things then what is it? It's, it's this, okay? But this is what's going on. John says, says this, all right? He says, 
Don't love. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now I'll explain that in a second, okay? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, the love of God is not in him. Now let's break this down. When John comes along and goes, you can't love the world, he's not talking about you can't love people. That would be mean. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. So that's obviously not what we're talking about. He's not talking about the earth. Don't worry about the earth. Let it burn, you know, and use it up and all that kind of stuff. And don't worry about trees or whatever. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about that at all. When he says the world, he actually it translates cosmos, which is the world system. The, the, the way, the operating system of this world. How this world kind of decides who's in and who's out. You know what I'm talking about? Who's good and who's bad? What's valuable, what's not valuable? How the world, how cultural, whatever fad is in, you know, in, in, in kind of in fashion today, they're worth something, but they're not. And it'll change in a few weeks. But right now, that's kind of the, the world, the operating system of the world. And Jesus comes along, or John comes along and says, listen, don't run your life by what the world says is important. Don't judge people or measure people or success or even yourself by what the world says is important or, or, or it has value. And here's why. Look at the next verse. For everything in the world, everything in the world, okay? This kind of goes back to everything in the world ends up in a graveyard or a, or a, trash, a trash heap. Everything in the world, okay? And here, here's what I'm talking about. Like the cravings of sinful man, the lust, and the word lust is the same word as desires in the other verses, the desires of, of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does because comes not from God but from the world. And we're going to break that down, okay? See if any of these desires, because what Jesus is talking about is that when your desires spin out of control, they can choke your life. And John comes along and goes, I- I'll tell you exactly the desires that Jesus was talking about back there. See if any of these found, sound familiar. First one goes like this. The cravings, if you're a note taker, this is A, okay? The, the cravings of sinful man, which is Bible talk for, let me kind of bring it up to date. I know it's wrong. I want it anyway. Anybody ever felt like that? I know it's wrong. I want it anyway. Anybody? Three of us. Great. The rest of you are such liars, okay, all right? I know it's wrong, but I want it anyway. What, what do you mean by that? It's, it's that something within us. Nobody taught us this when we were three, all right? And, or, or 33 or 43 or whatever, all right? It's just within us. And here's what I'm talking about. We see a sign that says wet paint. We have to touch it. I, why? It's like, that's wet. You know, why is that? You know, it's that part within me that I see a speed limit sign. I have to go five more. I have to. That's not, that's, it's not even in my control anymore. I, you know, they, 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 the cops give you five, you take two more. That, that's just my philosophy of the whole thing, you know. He's like, there's just something within me that says, you know, I, 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 I know I shouldn't, but I want to anyway. Uh, here's a great illustration. If I say for the next 30 minutes, don't look at that door back there, don't. <laughs> you know, you're like, why? Why? If I said don't touch your nose, I'm telling you, within the next 30 seconds, your nose is going to break out in hives. It's like... I have to, you know, and, and I'll watch you and I'll just point at you throughout this whole thing. There you go, see, all right? He's like, what? don't, this is, the, the creative civil man can be summed up like this. Don't tell me what to do. Why is it there's something within us from the Garden of Eden all the way to tonight that says, don't tell me what to do? And just be honest, wouldn't a lot of us say that the thing that really, we're just trying to try to clean up the messes, come, come back to this, don't tell me what to do? God, don't tell me what to do? Mom, don't tell me what to do. Cop, don't tell me what to do. You know, husband, wife, kids, whatever. Just don't don't tell me what to do. It it blows up in our face, and it can choke your life. That's the desires we're talking about. Here's the next one. Look at this one. The lust or the desires of his eyes. It looks like this. I saw it. I had to have it. I saw it. I had to have it. It's called discontentment. I didn't want it until I saw it. Now I have to have it because I saw it. And I'll do anything I can. You know, it's, it's marketing. There's an entire industry out there in the world today, and it has one goal. 
And here's the goal of the marketing system. To convince you that what you own is a piece of crap, but if you got that new one, your life would get better. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just, it's just reality. But here's the thing is, okay? That here's the catch. As soon as you get the new one, and you're like, oh, I got the new one. Somebody else will get a newer one. Somebody else will get a, a faster one or a shiny one or, or whatever. And what you thought was satisfying in, in a heartbeat can get moved to, that's a piece of crap pile. It can. And that applies to anything from iPods and computers to marriage to sex to, to cosmetic surgery, whatever, you know. It's like the lust of the eyes goes like this, you know. I, I, I have to have it. I, I have to have it. I want what I don't have. Right? I didn't want it until I saw it. Now I can't live without it. You know, I, I, I'll do whatever I have to do to get it. Even if it chokes God's truth out of my life. I'm telling you, that's what I want. And that's some of our stories, isn't it? I saw it. I had to have it. I didn't care what it cost. I want it. I liked my wife till I saw her. Now I don't like my wife and I want her. I was content with my house and then we went to a dinner party and saw their house and they have, you know, these, you know granite things and they have this and they have this and they, did you see the car? And I, I love my car. I, I, but now, I like my parents until I went over and hung over at somebody's house and their parents are so much cooler than my parents and now I, I want them to be my parents. You know, it just goes on and on and on. I want what I don't have. And the third one goes like this, the boasting of what he has and does. In other words, I am what I have. I am what I do. And then word boasting is an interesting word. I studied it this week. It's the same word that we get words like pride and arrogance and cocky from. Now, the Greek language is really interesting. Every, every Greek word like this has a, like a word picture that goes with it. And to this, it's kind of like that traveling salesman who has that potion that will cure everything that you need. But when you get it and open it up, you find out it's sugar water in a really pretty bottle. That's, that's what this boasting means. Jesus said it a different way. He says, some of you look really, really good on the outside, but inside you're full of death. Kind of like a really pretty coffin. But inside it's just rotten. And this is what Jesus is saying. Here's what will choke your life to death. Living your life in such a way that you're trying to convince yourself and everybody around you that you're something different than you really are because you can point to a big pile of stuff or a long resume of accomplishments. So this one kind of looks like this. If I can do it or get it, I'll feel better or I'll be better. You're trying to convince yourself and you're trying to convince other people. You know, I must be a successful person. Look at the size of my house. I count. I, I matter more. My life must count because look at all the things I've done. I've, I've won all these ball games. I mean, my, I'm more significant or at least more significant than you because I have more stuff than, than you. My la- life matters more because I have more stuff. My, 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 I'm okay because everybody likes me. And, of course, all this has a flip side. There's something wrong with me. I have less value or significance based on all that I don't have or all that I can't do or you don't like me. And both are wrong. I have more worth or less worth based on what I have or don't have or can and cannot do. Both are desires that spin out of control and will choke your life. And here's how John kind of wraps this up. He says this, you know, the world... And again, that system of going, this is important. I got to have this. And I, I didn't want it, but now don't tell me what to do. The world and its desires, what's the next two words? Pass away. Pass away. And isn't that just true? I mean, 10 years ago, remember what you were into? And now it's in the basement, right? Or you traded it or sold it or it's in a junkyard. You know, remember the, remember the clothes you wore, you know, two years ago going, you know, and, you've, and you're still making credit card payments on what you bought two years ago. You've already given it away. You know, the, the people that you thought were so cool, you know, they're not really that cool anymore, you know, because they, it, just, it, just, it just passes away. And it's just true. 
How much of our life is based on, you know, how many of us can say, I just had to have this or I just had to do this and if I can get this or buy this or, or be with that person or sleep with that person or whatever, I think I'll feel better or I'll be better. And this is some of our stories. So we got it, we did it, we met him and the, the nanosecond, the, the breath that it was over, we had this feeling of, oh no, come over us. I mean, the lights weren't on and we realized that didn't help at all. That actually made things worse. But now, here's the thing is, all right, our biggest problem is we're stuck with all the fallout and the repercussions of a desire that's already passed away. But it kind of stays with us, right? See, how many of us would describe our stories as, I, I spent a lot of my time today, my energy over the last few weeks, trying to clean up or make up for mistakes I made that were based on desires for other things. Specifically, don't tell me what to do. Or I saw it and I had to have it. Or I thought if I got it or, or did it or owned it or whatever, I would feel better and I was wrong. You know, as a pastor, I, 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 there's parts of my job I really like. I really like this part a lot, all right? There's some other parts of my life I, I don't like. You know, if everybody calls me and says, hey, can, can you counsel me? <laughs> you don't want me to counsel you. I'm as jacked up as anybody. But so you don't, you don't want to. But I'll try. I'll do my best. I will really do my best to listen. But, but here's the thing is, is, that, is that someone sits across my desk and they're talking about, you know, I'm really wrestling with this desire and this is what God wants me to do. And, and, and almost every time it ends up here is, Jim, I know I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do that. I know what the Bible says. I just, be honest with you, I, just, I just feel differently. And then it usually goes a couple different ways. Sometimes God gets blamed. You know, if God didn't want me to feel like this, right? you know what's coming, all right? If God didn't want, want me to do that, why did he make me, make me, why did he make me feel this way? It's that old, why would God create somebody a certain way, then turn around and send them to hell for it? He doesn't. And the flip side of that goes like this. If God doesn't want me to do this, why doesn't he take the feelings away? And the answer to both those arguments is the same. You read the Bible, there's no place in the Bible where we see God passing judgment on a person for something they had no control or choice in how they responded to a situation. Now, they had no choice in the, in, in the situation. That, that wasn't their fault. But you don't find God judging people on the situation. The judgment always comes on the response to the situation. You know, and nowhere do you find God saying, you know, you know, I know you feel like that, and in your heart, you really feel like that. Do whatever you feel like doing, unless I change how you feel. God never says that. As a matter of fact, God actually says, be really careful about your feelings. They can get you in trouble. He says this, you know, your heart, your feelings, your emotions, and your desires, even if you can build an argument, but I really feel this in my heart. He says, I know, but be really, really careful, because your heart can be your greatest deceiver. And again, that's some of our stories. I really felt it. I really thought it. Well, then what should we do? I mean, it's like that crossfire song, you know, I'm, I'm caught. I can't do, I mean, I got, I'm being pulled a couple different ways. I, I want my life to produce a good harvest. I want a better life. I really do. And, and, I, and I think that God's truth, you know, I, I know that he says it's better, but I got to be honest with you, um, I kind of want to do that. I, I just do. What, what, what should I do? It's that two deals on the table. God says this is a better way to live my life, but this is what I want to do. Which, what am I going to do? Well, this guy named James says, well, let's talk about the two deals on the table, okay? Because this whole word we're talking about is temptation. I, God wants me to do this. I want to do this. And I'm tempted. Tempted means I'm trying to kind of wrestle. I'm being tugged in this tug of war between these two things. So look at James chapter 1. He talks about situations just like, here's what God wants me to do. Here's what I want to do. It goes like this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Now, I've blamed God a lot, going, God is doing this to me. All right, well, we're going to find out that's just not true. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt 
anyone. Again, if you're taking notes, here's number one. God doesn't set people up to fail. He doesn't. He's not mean. God does not put us in, uh, in no-win situations. See, God sometimes allows, sometimes even causes hard things to bump into our lives. But while that's true, he will never send evil into your life for the purpose of hoping that you actually do something evil. That's not how he works. That would be a sin. And God doesn't sin, and he doesn't try to get people to sin. In other words, if you have a couple of deals on the table, the choices in front of you, this is God and this is what you want to do, and you choose this, make no mistake, you can't blame God. Well, then, then what's going on? Well, let's read on, okay? Because this, but each one is tempted, and what's the next word? Come on, kids. Each one is tempted when, not if, you will be. This is not a, if you're a good Christian, read your Bible, then you won't be tempted. No, you'll be tempted, all right? Each one of us is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. So two, if you're taking notes, it goes like this. We make decisions based on what we desire the most. That's just true. We make decisions on what we desire the most. In other words, we may not always have a choice about what lands in our life. We may not have a choice about who's speaking into our life or what somebody does to us. We may not even have a choice about some of our wiring and how we're wired up, all right? We, we, we might not have a choice. We didn't get a vote on that. But here's what happens. Whatever kind of gets in front of us is put through this, this filter of, this is what I desire. This is what I really want to happen. This is what I, I don't want to happen. This, this is what I think is possible. This is what I feel is impossible. I think I can do this. I know I can never do this. And as that process goes, you begin moving in a direction. And, and, and what, what James here says, it comes to a point where you're enticed. And the word enticed is actually the same word we get fishing lure from. It's like, you know, someone's dangling out there and you're going, hey, there's God. Hey, look at that. And you start kind of swimming, little fishies. We swim over there. And like, this is really, really good. And again, that's our story, right? Nobody ever got a, a, addicted. You know, I never did a drug. And then I did heroin, and that's it. I mean, I guess there's some, a few, few people out there. But you know, nobody had a great marriage. And then, I don't know, then I just had an affair. No, it was a series, wasn't it? Of little decisions and, just, and choices and steps, baby steps. And eventually, you found yourself in a place you never, ever thought you'd be. It's that enticement. It's that I got... I got lured into it, I swam in that direction, and finally it hooked me, and it dragged me away. And then, look at the next verse, after desire, you know, has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now, let me make something clear, right? Being tempted, having tension, you know, between you and God, and wrestling with feelings and attractions and desires, that's not the problem. It's not even a sin, all right? You just need to hear that, okay? Being tempted, going, I know God wants me to do that, but ah, there's part of me who wants to do that. That's not the problem. The reason I say this is that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are ever tempted, yet didn't sin. So either Jesus isn't God or, 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 or he was able to look at temptation and, and somehow move towards the right, the right thing. So, so what should we do? You know, we're in a situation. I got two choices, all right? And here's the, here's the thing. I'll just be honest with you, okay? There are some things in my life I know God wants me to do this, but I want to do this other thing so bad, I would even say, I have to. Wouldn't you? There's not a lot of that stuff, but they're big ones. You know what I'm talking about? I, I know what God wants me to do. I, I, you know, it's there. I read the Bible, okay? But I'm telling you, this is, this is out of my control. I actually have to go and do that. Do you? Really? Because if you... If, if you have to do that, then there's a problem. 
with God. And here's what I mean by that. Look at 1 Corinthians. This is uh, Paul. He, you know, he, all these guys are talking about this a lot. You know, Jesus gets out there and says, hey, I want to talk about the things that choke out your life. Almost every other writer says, I want to talk about that. This is what Paul says about that. He says, no temptation has seized you except what's common to man. Translated, the fact that you're being tempted has nothing to do because you're a bad person. I mean, some of you are wrestling with temptations right now and you're sitting in here going, if I was a better person, and, you know, I wouldn't be feeling feelings like this and I would, I would not, these thoughts wouldn't come into my head. And if I read the Bible more and if I came to church, you know, maybe four out of the six services, something like that, then maybe, maybe I wouldn't feel like this. I, I must be a bad person because, I mean, why do I feel some of these feelings? Here's why. You're human. It's just part of the human condition. There will always be tension between what God says is true and, and how you feel. It will always be this way. This side of your funeral. There will never come a point in your life where you're going, huh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any desires except just to follow Jesus and sing songs and go to church. That's all I want to do. It will never happen. As long as you have a, a functioning brain, you have emotions, you have body parts, I'm telling you, there will never come a, par- a point in your life where you say, I don't wrestle with any temptation ever, ever, ever again. It's just, it's just not true. You'll always be caught in a tug of war. See, no temptation has seized you except what's common to man. I mean, it's part of the human condition. But here's something that trumps that. And God is, what's the word? Faithful. You know what the opposite of the word faithful is? Liar. So what God is about to say, he's either, it's either true or, or it's, it's a lie and you can't trust him. And he's saying here, he says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm going to tell you the truth. And here's what I'm telling you. He, God, will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He didn't say he wouldn't let you be tempted. You will be. You, you will be, okay? Um, but he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And I see God's faithful. He's not a liar. You can trust him. And here's what God promises. I will not allow you to be put into a situation. I will not let a situation come into your life that's more than I will deliver you the strength to go through. I won't. I won't. I, I will not let anything happen to you or happen to someone in your life. I will never let you go through the valley of the shadow. I, Unless I'm willing to give you at least equal or more strength to get through it. I won't. I promise. I'm faithful in that. In other words, I will not put you in a no-win situation. I won't. It'll feel like it. And you'll sit there and go, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And he'll be whispering in your ear. I know, but we can. We can. We can. Some of us, that's our story. Now look at this next sentence here, okay? And what's the next word? And when, not if. You will be. I don't care how much you love Jesus. And when you are tempted, God will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. See, when you're tempted, you'll find yourself in a situation that feels like, I can't win here. I mean, it's impossible. The choice is in front of me. I can't do this. And here's what God faithfully promises. He will either get you out of it. He will either get you out of it, open a door and escape. He'll change the circumstances. He'll create a way out going, I couldn't do it. And God got me out of it. And some of us, that's our story. Or... He will provide you what you need to stand up in it so it doesn't crush you. He'll either get you out of it or he'll give you the strength to get through it. But either way, it will not crush you. And how do I know that? Because God is faithful. Some of you, isn't that your story? I mean, I hear some of your stories. Some of the stuff that you've gone through, some of you've lost children, and my immediate response is, I, don't, I, I just couldn't do that. And I look at you, how are you doing this? And go, God gives me strength day by day. Some of you are going through the worst divorces. Some of you have lost your jobs. And I'm telling you, I would be, I, I will go, I'll go with you. I'll go find your boss. I'll hold him, you hit him. I'm telling you, it's not fair. 
some of the stuff that we've gone through. And, and then I look at you and go, how are you doing this? And you go, you know, God just gives me just enough strength to get me through today. And tomorrow, he's going to be with me. And I just shake my head because your faith is amazing. So it goes like this, and then we'll wrap this up. It goes like this. God doesn't set people up to fail in no-win situations. He doesn't. It feels like it's a no-win, but it's not. You're just reading it wrong. We make our decisions based on what we desire the most, and we don't do it all at once. It's usually baby steps, and God is faithful. He will either get you out of a a no-win situation, or he'll give you the strength to stand up and not let it crush you. Now, here's my story, though. I believe all that. Every situation I've ever been in, God has opened a door, but that does not mean I've gone through it right? I mean, God says, run. And I closed the door and went, I think I'll stay. Isn't that true? I mean, it's just, it's, it's just true. And here's what I think, okay? I think that tonight, and I, well, actually, I would say all five of these weeks, I, I think God's trying to teach us something. And there's, a, I mean, there's about a thousand of us in this room tonight. I bet it's a thousand different st- things, as a matter of fact, I think that the truth that God's trying to sow into your life is different than the guy next to you. I mean, it's true, and it's from God, but you know, I think over the whole last month, God's been trying to say to you, you know, this whole thing has been about you and, and your relationship with her or him. This is about your marriage. You know, some of you are going, I'm still talking about Mother's Day when, I, when that guy up there said, you need to go call your mom and ask for forgiveness. I'm, I'm not letting you off the hook on that. That is the truth I'm trying to drive into your life. For you, I'm talking about your addiction. You know, it's like, and you keep making excuses and stuff like that, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to let up on you until you and I have a conversation about this. For you, here's what God's been talking to you, is I want to talk about this truth the reality of your life is why do you keep on making the same mistakes, fill in the blank, sexually, financially, whatever, over and over and over and over and over again? I think God's trying to teach us something. Now, here's the, here's the, the questions, all right? Um, what's, what soil is it falling on? So here's what I want to do, okay? Everybody get that truth in mind, okay? I'm not saying you're going to do it, but make no mistake, all right? Just nod your heads at me. You know what God's trying to tell you right now, Right? Does anybody not? I don't know, Jim. Yeah, of course we do. You know, we all know that I know God wants me to do this. I just, and then fill in the blank. So let's just kind of go through this, okay? For some of us, God has said, hey, this, this is my truth. This is my will for your life. And our response has been, no. And you know what I'm talking about, right? So well, how, how do I, what do I do about that? This is going to be so unpopular. You're going to go, oh, that's a Bible word. That's a religious word. But here it is. Ready? The only option that Jesus says to break through the concrete of that thing is a Bible word called repent. The truth isn't going to change. You've got to change your mind about the truth. You do. You've got you to say, you know what, God? I, I, I've been looking at it wrong, and I need you to forgive me for that. I need you to give me the strength to do what I do not feel like doing right now. James chapter 4 says this, the person who knows what they ought to do and doesn't do it, that's the definition of sin. So to hear God's truth for your life, that God, not Jim or Flatirons, God is speaking to you right now and you say, no, you got to work that out with God. But make no mistake, God's truth isn't going to change. You got to change your mind. Let's move on down this, okay? You know, so some of us has kind of fallen on shallow soil. Meaning this is that everything you've heard in the last five weeks, none of it is new truth. It's a reminder of a truth you heard a long, 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 long time ago. And you said, okay, I want to do that. And you tried it for a while. But you know what? Between the two of you, you're the only one that really tried. 
It didn't really work. And so if some of you tried this for this a while, and then it got hard, and then this happened, and whatever. And so finally, you're back to the point where it's like I never even heard that truth in the first place. Right? And that's just, that's just true. And what do we do with that? Same thing. I've got to change my mind. I've got to change my mind. I've got I to look back and say, God, now remind me, because I, I wilted. I, I, I faded. I'm still here, but I'm telling you, what, what is it you want me to do in this? See, here's, here's the truth, okay, all right? A lot of us, we want God to forgive us, okay? Uh, I, I'll prove it. How many would like God to forgive them? Ready, go. Okay, good, all right, so that's all of us, all right? We really like God to forgive us, but here's the problem with that. A lot of us want God to forgive us, but we have no plans and no intention of changing one thing in our life. We just need God to get us out of hell. But he's not allowed to speak into our life. And it doesn't work like that, folks. God, forgive me for my sins, but I'm going to keep on sinning. The Bible makes it clear that grace and forgiveness are not permission to go on repeating the same things over and over. And I'm not saying, because I'm not in the position of judgment to say, and if you do, you're going to hell. That's what we teach you with God. But God makes it really clear. I know soil when I see it. And I know which hearts are right and I know which ones are, 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 are not right. And listen, you've got to change your mind. Let's go on, all right? Um, some of us are worried. I got this truth in my life, you know, and I just got to be honest with you, you know what? Um, if, I, if, I, if I follow God, then I'm going to lose this or it's going to cost me this and whatever. I got a question for you. Do you believe God is good? Do you think you can trust him? Because if you can, what makes you think that God would say, come follow me, and he would try to make your life more miserable? So your life is miserable? I, God's going to go, I can make it more miserable, so here we go, follow me. That's, what, makes you think, what makes you think that God's going to say, follow me, and then he's going to get you out there in the deep water and then go, up, oh, you're on your own? Does that sound like a good God? A God that is good and trustworthy, do you think he's going to say, follow me, and then get you out and change your circumstances and have you let go of the stuff that you, that you knew and get you out in unfamiliar territory, and then look at you and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. Oh, I, 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 you know, I didn't know that was a possibility. Does that sound like God? So if, if he's good and you trust him, follow him. Because he promises to take care of you. And some of us, you know what? You know, I know what God wants me to do. Honestly, I got some other stuff I want to do and buy and spend on. And so here's, here's our story, and I'll put myself in this category. We come to church, and we talk the Christian talk, and we talk about it. Now, if I make some more money, then I'm going to be a really you know, generous person. But right now, God, just leave me alone, and especially in the money area of my life. And we know who we are. But you know what? And I, I don't know you very well, but I'll just say, I, mean, I, think, I, I think we're all the same. And it goes like this. Those of us who are right now tonight are saying, God, you can't have my money. Don't touch my money and butt out my financial life. We're the same people who will be the first to get in line and drop on our knees when our finances fall apart and ask God to bail us out. Right? You didn't pay attention to God at all until you lost your job. You didn't pay attention to God at all until you got a medical bill. You didn't pay attention at all until, you know, you, you got so far in debt that they were going to take your house away from you. And then all of a sudden, you're a prayer warrior, right? And here's what Jesus promises. Listen, you don't have to follow God in the financial area of your life. You can, you can continue to be a selfish, greedy person, and you probably, you might even go to heaven still, you know? But here's what Jesus promises is that you have no assurance of knowing that God will be involved in your financial life later unless you put him first, seek him first in your financial life today. And then if you do, he promises he'll be there later. That's what he promises. And he's faithful, apparently. And finally, let me wrap this whole thing up. Your biggest problem, my biggest problem is not a thing. The thing that's choking my life is not my marriage. It's not, it's not uh, a person. It's not a financial situation. 
The thing that's choking most of our lives is an out of control. I know what I shouldn't have done, but I did it anyway. Don't tell me what to do. And I thought if I could get it or feel it or do this or buy it or whatever, I would feel better. Desire. Well, how do I weed that out of my life? Very simple. Stop blaming God. He didn't do this to you. Asking for forgiveness. And then asking for either a way out or the strength to go on. Now, here's the thing. Okay, I'm done, all right, with this whole story, okay? So this is how we set this whole thing up. Jesus is sitting in a boat. There's all these people sitting on the side of a lake, and he's teaching them. Now, he, he knows everything. So as he's teaching all this truth, he can look at people and go, um, this, you're not even hearing what I'm saying. Before it even gets out of my mouth and I'm done with my sins, you've already told me no. I can see it in your eye. Some of you, you know what? You're sitting there nodding your head going, oh, yes, Jesus, yes, that's great, that's great. You're not even going to make it off the beach. Before you go, ah, we're not going to do that, you know, and you're going to go on home and nothing's going to be different in your life. And some of you are sitting there starting to wring your hands going, oh, no, oh, no, what if I do that? What if I do that? And some of you are going, ah, let's just kind of back out before the offering, you know? I mean, that's, that, and he knows that. And he knows that some of you, some, he could look around the crowd and go, your desires are out of control. And he, so he, as it's coming out of his mouth, he knows that some of us are going to look back at him and say no, which is why he concluded all of his teaching by climbing up on a cross and saying, kill me. Because everything he has taught us, he knows that we will fail miserably at on our own and by our own strength because I can't change one thing about my life on my own. If I would, I've already changed it. But he knew that if he could die and then come back to life and then move into us spiritually, we could do something that I could never do on my own. So we're going to have communion because we tend to forget that. Because what we tend to do is go, I failed there, I failed there, I, I failed, oh my, I failed there over and over and over, and I will never be like that. And see, we forget that it's not about performance. It's about grace. Now, we get it confused. We think that grace is permission to go on sinning, which it's not. Grace is, is this assurance that, hey, no matter what, I still love you. So Jesus knew that it would be really helpful to us to take a little piece of bread and a little cup of, of, of wine or juice and say, now listen, just remember, you're forgiven. That's not permission to keep on screwing up. It's the assurance of knowing that I'm, I, I don't, I'm not mad at you, I don't hate you, and there's no condemnation. Now, can we talk about your heart? So we're going to do that. So communion is a time to say thank you for forgiving me, and it's also a time to search our own hearts and our own soils and ask God to do a little bit of garden work even right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you to do that. Some of you know what? This is your first time in church, and all of a sudden for the first time, I mean, all you needed to hear tonight was God didn't hate you. And you're like, oh, what else you got? Everything's forgivable. How about that? And if you believe that, that what Jesus died on a cross was enough to connect you back to God, take a little piece of bread and take a little cup of juice that represents him on a cross. Tell him thank you. And then tell him to search the garden, see what needs to be there and what doesn't. Let's pray. If you don't want to take communion, it's not a litmus test for loving God. It's just a, it's just a gift he gave us. And so you take it, and if not, maybe another day. So let me pray. God, um, thankfully this series is over because it's so offensive and it's so, it's so hard, and we'd, we'd really like to get on some easier stuff, but none of it's easy. Because just when we think we, you know, we've got it, then we discover a whole other part of our life that's not even close to where we want it to be or you want it to be. And so, God, in this time of communion where we take bread and juice that simply represents what you did to prove and demonstrate your love for us, knowing that we would screw up your truth. Um, we're asking you, God, would you search 
Search our hearts. And all the things, that, that one truth that we're wrestling with you right now, could, could we wrestle through this even tonight until we end up in the place where you need us to be, you want us to be? That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.